Star Wars 7x7 episode 2937. We're going to continue our series of final reviews on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and today we are looking at Anakin slash Darth Vader. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So as I sat down to prepare for this episode, I thought that I was going to be spending a lot of time looking at Darth Vader slash Anakin and his character and what we learn as a result of the events of the series, but the things that I kept being drawn to were the behind the scenes aspects of things, in particular Hayden Christensen being back in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and just how wonderful it felt for him to be a part of this series. Now, we didn't get to see a heck of a lot of him, all things considered. I mean, we saw him briefly in the Bakta tank at the end of chapter two, which was Make Me Float. That's what we're calling that episode. And then we got to see him in the Frame Within a Frame episode where they had the flashback to Obi-Wan and a Padawan Anakin fighting, practice fighting, on Coruscant, right? And then finally, in the last chapter, the letting go chapter, where we see the cracked helmet and you see his face in there and you get to hear his voice kind of fluctuating in and out with the James Earl Jones voice, right? So, yes, not there necessarily <laughs> for the whole thing. But you know what? That's okay, because when you think about some iconic Star Wars performances, you have to consider the fact that many people make those performances. Like, the original trilogy, of course, is David Prowse in the Vader suit, but also Bob Anderson, who was a stunt performer in the Vader suit, and of course, James Earl Jones doing the voice of Darth Vader. So that's a multi-person performance for this one iconic character. That's going all the way back into the original trilogy. Even now, with The Mandalorian, we have Pedro Pascal doing the performance and you also have Latif Crowder and Brendan Wayne doing parts of the performance as well. Where that argument maybe falls apart a little bit is who would you say is the actual character? Like if you had to narrow it down to one person, I think we all kind of agree that Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian because he's doing the vocal performance. So in that sense, Darth Vader is very much James Earl Jones because he's doing the vocal performance. But Darth Vader this time is different because we're seeing what Darth Vader was and what happened to him to become Darth Vader. And so yes, Hayden Christensen is absolutely as necessary to this performance as James Earl Jones is. And there's another thing you can compare this to as well, which is the appearance of Luke Skywalker in Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian and Chapter 6 of The Book of Boba Fett. And look at it in comparison to the appearance of Anakin in Chapter 5 of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So, similar kind of situation where Anakin looks to have been de-aged in that scene where they're fighting on Coruscant while Anakin is still a Padawan. But that really is Hayden Christensen being de-aged, as opposed to... Luke Skywalker, where it's actually a look-alike stand-in who's then being not only de-aged, but also, you know, AI changed up so that way he looks like a young Luke Skywalker. And there's also the source voice as well, which Mark Hamill cannot deliver, I guess, the same performance that would be useful for the purposes of re-speecher to be able to make him sound like his younger self. So they're actually using archival audio footage to be able to recreate that, whereas Hayden Christensen can now, he's at a point in his life where he can still deliver Padawan lines and re-speecher can grab onto it. And also he's got 
<laughs> probably better audio source footage that Respeecher could grab on as well if they needed to do anything particular with his tone of voice. In other words, the circumstances of the show and of the de-aging situation that they needed to do still allowed for the possibility of Hayden Christensen to be the one to do it, and I'm so glad that they did it. And additionally, just I've read so many interviews and watched so many interviews with Hayden over the course of these last few months, and his joy and his gratitude and his humility and his appreciation for the way that fans have finally come around, or at least the voices of the generation that grew up with the prequels that now finally have a voice to speak within the fandom for themselves, and how wonderful they are to him and for him and about him with that. That has just been the most beautiful thing to watch over the last few months. As far as the character of Anakin slash Vader, first of all, Hayden Christensen, yeah, <laughs> bringing it back, has made it clear time and again that there is still Anakin in there, which is a way of saying that there is potentially still good in there, but he's still there. Like, he is not entirely gone to the dark side of the Force. And that is good in a sense that eventually, you know, 15 years later, somebody will be able to get through to him finally. <laughs> but it's bad in the sense that it also drives him in a very destructive way right now at this time. And we're seeing him at what is probably the peak of his power. I mean, we've seen Rey and Kylo Ren fighting over a shuttlecraft trying to escape. We've seen Ahsoka try to force catch and pull a shuttlecraft trying to escape, but unfortunately not successfully in either case. And yet Vader is able to grab one and yank it back down to Earth and then tear pieces of the bulkhead off and make them go flying. Absolutely fearsome and certainly much more fearsome even than his appearance in the corridor in Rogue One. Like that was looking at him like, oh my gosh, yikes, that's crazy. And also that was him very close to what he was able to do in A New Hope. So his mobility had to have been a little bit lower in the Rogue One situation. Here, not so much. Here he is as athletic and agile as you could expect him to be. And that was something that had kind of been suggested to us in all the interviews and talk leading up to it as well. To say nothing of the giant rock pile that he buries Obi-Wan under in the final chapter of the series. So there is that. But... We also find out, and you know, very sort of expositionally, that Vader is still very impetuous, very driven by his emotional need for approval and his need to you know, prove himself victorious over anything that comes before him. And yeah, that can be good, but it's unfortunately for him a known quantity and something that can be turned against him and played with. And it doesn't matter who is doing that because it can be done for either motive. Obi-Wan does it for the motive of saving people and Palpatine does it for the motive of further twisting him and keeping him under his thumb. And I know he says at the end to Palpatine, Kenobi means nothing and he's going to move on from it, right? But is he really? I mean, 
he doesn't necessarily have to. He could be telling Palpatine what Palpatine wants to hear in this situation or what he thinks Palpatine wants to hear and still harbor this incredible resentment and think, I got to find this guy. And he could do that on the sly, like without Palpatine knowing. There's stuff that happens in the comics, for example, in this new run. It was actually the first series of flagship title Star Wars comics that take place between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, where Vader basically assembles his own droid army and has you know people knock off a criminal syndicate for a ton of money and so he builds his own war chest he builds his own private army and he does all of that without saying anything to Palpatine about it like he just goes about this as quietly as he possibly can but he is successful at it so if he decides that he is not done with Kenobi and wants to take another shot at him well he certainly has demonstrated that he can make that happen if he wants to so then it's just a matter of whether he'd be able to find Kenobi again or whether he'd be able to draw him out again. And yeah, wouldn't that be interesting for a season two? I mean, I think they would probably say, nah, we can't go back to that well again. And, you know, how close to the events of A New Hope can you get before you look at that line where Vader says, like, I sense a presence I haven't felt since, and then dot, 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 like, you know, what, since two weeks ago? <laughs> like, how far can you push that envelope? I don't know. But yeah, it's it's an open possibility. Maybe they'll just explore it in other media instead. I don't know. But there you go. That's what I've got for you about Vader slash Anakin slash Hayden Christensen in our final review of the Kenobi series. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.